So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just wanna know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode, hey Jewel. I am. So this is normally our Kardashian bonus show. And this week we're kind of doing a medley. So definitely some Kardashian heavy news, but just some other stories that broke that we kind of wanted to discuss. I'm into a midweek update. I'm into it as well, as long as the stories come out before Wednesday, because anytime after Wednesday, I feel like we're screwing ourselves for having stories for next Monday. Right. But we're in good shape here. Yeah. And also Jamie Spears files to end the conservatorship. Jay-Z joins Insta and Scott comments on Courtney, like what we're going to do, not talk about it. No, we do have a lot to talk about today. Out of nowhere, by the way. Even up until three minutes ago, you didn't think we had a lot to talk about. And I was saying, Em, all of these (laughs) things are like lengthy discussions for me. You know, it would be really funny if somebody that was not either of us, that we weren't aware of it, recorded like the first four minutes before we start every single recording, because it's always that exact conversation, me saying to you, I don't think we have enough. And you like assuring me that we do. Em, if there is one thing I know for sure, we can take the teeniest, tiniest, most insignificant thing and make a 30-minute conversation out of it. I hardly think that Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz are going to (laughs) debut couples costumes and we're not going to be able to make a full episode here. No, you're 100% correct. I think I just always have that freak out, but it always ends up working itself out. Also, so some of you may have seen on our story that we were posting from the Wall Street Journal Magazine's Innovator Awards, which... We'll get into in a minute, but at the end of this episode, I got the chance to speak with Miles Tanzer, who's the Wall Street Journal Magazine's digital editor, and he wrote the cover story on Little Nas X. Basically, there were eight different innovators that were selected in various categories. So Kim, Ryan Reynolds, Little Nas X, Lewis Hamilton, and four others. And Little Nas was for music innovator. And so I got to speak with Miles more so from you know his perspective as a journalist. So what it was like interviewing him, some of the behind the scenes. You know, for example, he got to speak with Jack Harlow for the piece, and we spoke about that. And he was also at the event that I was at on Monday night. So we got to talk about you know Little Nas X's speech and just some of the other things that we saw in real life. So that was a great conversation, and we are going to put that at the end. But you want to spend just a few minutes talking about the Innovator Awards because you and I didn't even get to fully catch up on it. Yeah, I would love to. So full disclosure, we were given one seat at the awards. And so I went. And when we were posting the stories, I would say the overwhelming response was just people wanting to know about what it was like, you know, seeing Kim and and her speech and all of that. So I want to give a little bit of a behind the scenes of that just from my perspective, which was, first of all, 
not that this is surprising and not that this is the most interesting thing about her, but I have to just say it. She is so fucking gorgeous in real life. It's a type of thing where you see her post on Instagram and especially, you know, there's so much speculation about Photoshop, this, that. No, like I'm not saying she doesn't edit her photos, but she's actually that stunning in real life. It, it takes your breath away for a second. Remember I texted you. I was like, holy shit, Julie. No, you did. And I, if there was one thing I don't doubt, it's the fact that in person she takes your breath away. Not one doubt. And also, you know, everybody always says that Kim is shorter in person than you would have expected. But little Nas X is so much taller than I thought that the two of them standing next to one another, the height difference, and there are definitely photos of that we can post one in the description if you didn't see. But remember I sent you a picture? I was like, I did not realize not only how tall he was, but also how short she was. There, The contrast between them was like, I was not expecting that. And Ryan Reynolds too is also taller than I thought. I love that for him. I know, like as if he needed another point. Right, like of course he's tall. But okay, so you may, guys may have seen this in, I was posted, I think on Derek Blasberg's Instagram and I think then other news outlets picked it up, but Kim was you know, given the Innovator Award for brands, obviously for Skims, a lot to do with Skims and Fendi because Kim Jones was also honored. And they call her name and she takes about 40 seconds to come up, which was surprising because she was sitting very close to the stage. And so she gets up to the podium and she's like, oh my God, we just had a fashion emergency. She's like, thank God that Kim was here, meaning Kim Jones. She's like, because if not, this would have been a different kind of show tonight. And Derek Blasberg posted it on his Instagram, but I was watching it happen in real life. Her dress, she was wearing the Fendi Skims dress and it unzipped from the bottom up. And so Demi Moore and Kim Jones are standing there like zipping her. And the whole thing was handled beautifully. Like, of course she handled it like a total class act with a lot of humor and grace. But I... I like blacked out for a second. I'm like, I can't believe I'm watching Kim Kardashian have a wardrobe malfunction with Demi Moore helping Kim Jones and Martha Stewart like looking on. Like, what the fuck is going on right now? One of the craziest things ever was you telling us that that happened, but not in like an overabundance of detail, just like saying that the the wardrobe malfunction had happened, that she had said the thing about Kim Jones in her speech. And then when I saw Derek Glassberg's story, I, I was like, I can't believe that's what you saw go down. It was so crazy. And then, you know, I have to say something that you and I talk about so much is how I feel like so many people in Kim's position who have gotten to where they are now would maybe want to shy away from their beginnings. And I was about to use the phrase humble beginnings, but I know that that would be picked apart because it wasn't a humble beginning, but just, you know, in terms of what she did with brands, she had no selectiveness. She would do anything. And I feel like so many people now would be embarrassed of that. Whereas what we always talk about with Kim, the beauty of her is that she really leans into it. You know, she talks about those years in her career and how she's so grateful she doesn't have to do that now. And so she gets this award for skims and she's standing up there. And I posted a little bit of this on the CBC story, but she was like, in my earlier days, and it was so natural. She wasn't reading anything. She's like, I was doing cupcake brands at the same time that I was doing weight loss pills. There was no cohesion. And she's like, and now to be able to have my own brand, I never would have dreamed that it would be given an award for innovation. And so she's like, I'm so grateful that I don't have to do those anymore. And it's nothing that we didn't know, but just we talk about that so much. And I feel like we express our pride and just our admiration. And so to hear her reflect on that kind of in real time, given an award that really is that prestigious was absolutely fucking remarkable. No, that's really like so insane. And you're so right. She doesn't shy away from those beginnings, but I think that honestly, it's what makes the now more impressive, like to highlight where she used to be versus what she has been able to turn it into is like, 
it's so much more impressive than just like starting at a middle ground. You know, I was thinking that last night because obviously when we post Kardashians on the main page, specifically Kim, we get a lot of hate in our DMs. It's not like overwhelming amount, but definitely people with very strong opinions. And the one thing a lot of people who really dislike her will pull out is the sex tape and being like, oh, please, all you did was release a sex tape. And to me, I'm like, don't you think that's so much more impressive that her career point started in your eyes from that and now she's able to move on to this? I'm like, how can you not see the contrast there and be nothing but impressed? It's so crazy, right? I, I feel the same way when I see that people try to weaponize that against her and I feel like they're just proving her point. Like she's not denying that that happened. She fully you know, owns that as something that was not a high point in her life, but look at what she's turned that into. It's so crazy to me that people still want to use that as a thing to hit at her for. Me too. It's so wild. I, I want to share this. I'm going to say it, Julie, and if, if you think it comes across wrong, we can cut it out. But I really do want to share what I said to you on voice note the next morning. Can I? Yeah, of course. Okay. So we're sitting down at this table and I was sitting next to this woman, I believe from the daily front row. And she asked me what our first ever post was. And I was like, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that it was either Kim commenting on Paris Hilton or vice versa. And I was saying that at the time, this was you know 2017, they were rumored to still be feuding. So in our minds, that was kind of a signal that they were friends and that's why we considered it to be a big deal. And we're having this conversation right before Kim is about to speak. And she says to me like, wow, so this must be a really full circle moment for you. And I think I kind of, it took me back for a second because obviously I was so grateful to be in that room, you know, among so many people that are so powerful, but it really just hit me in that moment of like, when we started this, how it was really just a passion project. And we were doing that because in our own minds, Kim and Paris being friends is really cool. Never did we think that it would turn into, you know, a consistent form of entertainment news. And I think, I, I don't know. I just, I had this moment of like, holy shit, I feel so lucky and so fortunate to be here. At the same time though, I felt comfortable among that media presence. You know, like I felt like as a brand, forget us, like us aside, I felt like as a brand, it made sense that that we were there and that, I, I don't know, it was a, a moment of reflection that I wasn't expecting to have. But when she said it, it just really hit me. And I, I was proud of us, you know, I was proud of what we built. No, I literally had chills when you voice noted that. Like that really is such an incredible moment. I also want to say that, you know, so many people responded to our story of posting it and it was just overall a cool experience that I know we both felt really fortunate to be included in. And I just appreciate everyone who kind of has that shared excitement for us. So definitely at the end of this, listen to my interview with Miles because he was great and I really respect him as a journalist. He also wrote, you know, cover stories on Ariana Grande, not for Wall Street Journal mags, but for other publications. And he just had a lot of experience within this industry and meeting these types of people. And so I appreciated that. Shall we get into the news? I would love to. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. 
Their Wi-Fi connected, they come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So 12 hours ago, it breaks that Jamie Spears has apparently filed to immediately end the conservatorship. This is according to court documents that were obtained. They were filed on Monday, November 1st. I'm going to read the statement from his attorney, Alex Weingarten. Quote, Brittany's recent testimony and requests to take personal control of her estate and affairs have made clear that continuing the conservatorship is contrary to her desires. Jamie unconditionally loves and supports his daughter, full stop. Can you believe that's an illegal statement, by the way? As he has done for her entire life, Jamie will do everything he can to protect and care for her. For the last 13 years, that included serving as her conservator. Now it means ending her conservatorship. Okay. Would you like to go first? The only thing I have to say, because like, uh, this feels just like a, a a grab to get out while you still can, um, or like maybe avoid some jail time. I don't know where this this process is going. I can't get over the lawyer saying full stop. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Can you believe that's in the official legal statement? Like, for, who taught his lawyer the phrase <laughs> full stop? Who in an official legal statement about Britney Spears says full stop? That was so weird to me. But on top of that, you know, listen, we always talk about it like, okay, if we're focused on the net net, like the, the final benefit, yes, of course, it's great that he's doing this and we're going to celebrate it because it would be crazy not to. But the revisionist history going on here is wild to me. Like as he has done for her entire life, Jamie will do everything he can to protect and care for her. It's like, do you think we're stupid or what? No, it's like literally get the fuck out of here. Did you ever expect it that you would feel gaslit by Jamie Spears' attorney? I didn't, but I do feel fully gaslit and I cannot even imagine what Brittany has gone through the past couple of years. If every time a statement comes out, I feel personally attacked by it. This is the line that I think is is so interesting when he says, Brittany's recent testimony and requests to take personal control of her estate and affairs have made clear that continuing the conservatorship is contrary to her desires. It's like, wait a second, her recent testimony and her recent requests that's what's telling you this. Like, this is a woman that's been actively and outwardly trying to get out of this for years now. It's just so backwards. Like, I'm not trying to bite the hand that feeds me. If he's doing it, great. Like, let's celebrate that and let's move on. We don't need to nitpick. But it is so crazy to read this and then not not just be appalled. No, it's absolutely insane. I mean, that last line where he says that Jamie has only done what's best for Brittany and at first that meant cons- the conservatorship and now it means ending it. Like, What? I know. I know. It's wild. I just can't imagine, I guess on one hand, the frustration she feels, but also hopefully the, you know, enthusiasm or hope that it is going to end because it does seem to be pointing in that direction. Yeah. And, and again, like we always say, like that is the main goal. If that's what we're setting out to do, how we get there now, as long as it ends is what's truly the most important thing. Totally. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So 
I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So Jay-Z joined Instagram last night. He has only posted so far the movie poster for The Harder They Fall, which is a movie that he's a producer on. He only follows Beyonce. And as of now, Beyonce only follows him. She previously had never followed anyone. At the time that we're recording this, he has 1.8 million, but I'm sure that will continue to rise. And what I want to say about this is I'm really shocked because I never thought that he would be on the platform. Never expected him to join. It is the kind of thing where we've spoken about this way earlier on, like when big celebrities joining Instagram was more of a thing, or I guess more uncommon. But to me, for somebody like Jay-Z, who we see so little of, him having a presence on Instagram, even though I know he's not running it himself and maybe doesn't even know what it looks like, is so humanizing. You know what? It's funny that you say that. As soon as I saw that he joined and I saw that he had followed Beyonce, Beyonce had followed him back like they did that cute little married thing and only each other. And he had posted just a movie poster as his first post and it wasn't like a big launch or a big rollout. I kind of had this moment of like, I hope he uses Instagram in a way that's a little bit different than Beyonce. Like, I actually think that Jay-Z can get away with using it like a little bit more like a normal celeb and less like a celeb on a pedestal. Like, I think that he can comment on some of Beyonce's pictures. I think he can post some stuff on his stories. Like, I don't think that Jay-Z needs to have such a curated feed. I don't think he needs to take himself too seriously on Instagram. Okay, so I could not agree with you more. Do you think that he will? Absolutely. He will take himself so seriously. I just think he doesn't need to. Right, but hear me out. And you're, I think you're going to disagree with this. I don't think Beyonce has to. Like, I don't think Beyonce every once in a while commenting on an Instagram post would take her out of this kind of royal status. Like, I don't think she needs the presence that she has on Instagram to maintain this level of untouchability. Do you disagree with that? I don't think she needs anything to maintain it. I think once you're Beyonce, you've cemented yourself in that position. I just think that she's entirely unwilling to, and it's not something that we'll ever see her do. And I think that she's also curated a feed that's so specific to her that she's not one to deviate from that. Like, if there's one thing Beyonce's not going to do, it's deviate from the way she does things. Jay-Z's coming in fresh air. It's not like he has to hold up a certain aesthetic or match a certain aesthetic. It's not like he has to come on the platform and do it exactly the way that Beyonce does it. So I think that just because he's coming in so fresh, he has a little more leeway where if he wants to, he doesn't have to use it in a way that maintains that untouchability that his wife has. Yeah, no, I think that that's a fair point. I, I'll put it like this. I am cautiously optimistic because I don't think it's going to happen, but I can pretend that I do just for the sake of manifestation. I also could see Jay-Z like randomly having fun with it. 
I mean, could you imagine that this is not going to happen, but hypothetical world, they're on, you know, a yacht vacation in Sardinia and all of a sudden Jay-Z posts an Instagram story and it's like Beyonce in blue eating breakfast. No, I would do anything. Or, or Beyonce just decides to comment for the first time ever and, and comments, welcome to Instagram on, on Jay-Z's photo. Like that would kill me. That would feel personal. That would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of just follow up from Celebrity Halloween that we didn't discuss, which is number one, Channing Tatum and Zoe Kravitz dressing in coordinating costumes, channeling taxi driver. I have so many things to say, but first like this is what we wanted from them. You know, there was the speculation, then they were seen together, they were holding hands. They basically confirmed it, but like, this is the shit that we live for. And I'm just so glad that they're playing into it. I was so happy when I saw this. My only complaint, obviously, was that it was posted as a story and not a post, but it doesn't even matter because it's not a situation where we got photos of them or paparazzi photos or people who were at an event with them, photos of them dressed together. And we like, we're like, oh, they're being a couple's costume. Zoe posted it on her story. So like, not that we needed the confirmation, but we got it. We got it. Also, I was reading an article about them this morning. I don't know why this surprised me. Maybe everybody else knows this. She's 32 and he's 41, which is not any sort of a big age difference. But I I think I thought that he was younger. I thought he was younger too. I didn't think he was in his 40s. I thought that they were like both 35. That would have been a safe, safe bet, yeah. Right? Yeah. The other thing which we didn't talk about on Monday, it's not really news, but I feel like everybody has just been wanting this since the JLo and Ben story broke, which is Jen Gardner, JLo, and Ben were all trick-or-treating in the same area with their kids in Malibu. And there weren't photos of the three of them together, but like they were definitely together. I guess that's where Ben and Jen go every year with their kids. And so JLo was there as well with her kids. And it's just the kind of thing where like everybody's been asking, what does Jen Gardner think about this? What does Jen Gardner think about this? And it's like, my opinion has been the same since the beginning, which is like, this is not going to be the thing that's going to rock her. You know what I mean? Like she went through hell with Ben Affleck. And I think if he's in a relationship that's steady, she's not trying to get back with him. I think she's probably happy for him. No, I think she's thrilled. I mean, everything we've known about Jen Garner has just been like, if Ben is in a stable and happy place, no matter who that's with, as long as they are good for him and good for their kids, she is completely on board. I mean, that's always the impression I've gotten. The only reason that J-Lo might be a little different than other women he's dated in the past is just because of the history and the pre-Gen aspect there. But again, I don't think there's anything Jen would be upset by with this relationship. And I definitely don't think there's any element of like jealousy here or resentment. So I don't know. I just, when I think of Jen Gardner, I just think of like everything is just good. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Not in like a toxic positivity way, more so in just like she, when it comes to Ben specifically, is wanting the best for him. So I guess really the question is, as long as she does view JLo as a stable relationship, then I think she's thrilled. Of course, the other factor is that, you know, she's far more famous than other people he's been with in the sense that it's more of a spectacle, but I don't think she really minds that. She's just as famous herself. And then second of all, like you said, you know, the history. But I think, you know, as long as the person he's with is stable for him and good for their kids, I don't know. I just, to me, I view it as less of a story as I think other people do. And maybe I'm wrong in that. I just feel like people are so fascinated by that. And to me, the Jen Gardner approach of it all is like maybe the most minor. Right. I don't blame people for their fascination. I think that's so natural. I just think when it comes to Jen, like the way that I view her is as like 
creating the best environment for everybody involved. And like, she is her power, so to speak, like it doesn't take power away from her to do it. I think it actually like adds to her ability to do that. And it says so much about her. And I think that you've never heard a bad word said about Jen Garner, not a single person ever. And I don't think that's going to carry over into a relationship with Ben Affleck, especially when, you know, their kids are at play as well. I feel the same way. Not that we know her personally, but I feel like this is the kind of shit Whereas. If she wasn't like this, it would have come out by now. Right, exactly. Let me tell you one thing, though. That Malibu neighborhood, you know every single house has a full-sized candy bar being given out. Oh, beyond. And probably like a bag of cash. (laughs) That's what I want to do. Let's go trick-or-treating in Malibu. First of all, it looked so much fun, Julie. Does anybody have a kid we could borrow? I know it's obviously a gated community, but in a world in which it wasn't, if I lived in a surrounding town, that is exactly where I would go because it's the one excuse where you can walk around and have it not be weird. Right, exactly. I have to tell you, we were walking around during Halloween around by me and we were just looking, me and Isabel were kind of just walking around while all the kids were trick-or-treating and like obviously all the townhouses are sitting open and people are passing out candies and it was so much fun. Like the streets were just like packed with kids Everyone was, you know, sitting at their stoops, passing out candies, talking, mingling. Like it was really the sweetest thing ever. But Isabel and I were just like looking at all of the townhouses and we're like, we love when we play trick or townhouse. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so that on such like a micro scale, I can't even imagine what it's like doing it in like a gated community in Malibu. Oh, I'm sure. Listen, that's the best uh, real estate tour you can ever have. I remember feeling that way just as a kid in general. Like if there were houses in my area that I always wanted to see the inside of, I would always go there trick or treating. <laughs> Right. It's the most fun ever. That was like me at 10 years old, just like wanting to see if my suspicion of Carrera Marble was correct. Exactly. And it's so nice to have it confirmed on Halloween. It's, it is. It's, it's very festive. It's the best candy you could ever get. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sour Skittles are. <laughs> okay. So on Monday's episode, we're talking about how Kim didn't dress up. She didn't do this whole thing. And I literally said, do you think that we're going to end this podcast? And an hour later, she's going to post a whole photo shoot. And you were like, I wouldn't be surprised. And that's exactly what she did. So I guess we were half right, half wrong because she didn't do the whole thing with the kids, but I was wrong in saying that I think she wanted to chill this year because clearly she didn't. She did the whole dress up. It still feels chill to me. For her, right? I don't think I was at all wrong in what we were saying. Like, I still think that, first of all, obviously she did a Mugler costume. Obviously, like it was, she had a photo shoot, sure. But it wasn't on like the grand scale we're used to seeing. Kim has had Halloweens where it's been like multiple costumes, multiple days, multiple photo shoots, all of the kids involved, Kanye involved. Like one Mugler costume is low key for what we're used to seeing. And I stand by that. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that that's accurate. Right. I also wanted to just quickly mention, did you see Mario was speaking? I don't even know where he was speaking at, but I saw a clip where he was saying, you know, Obviously, everybody was poking fun at us doing her makeup for the Met Gala, but the real reason we did it, not that they wouldn't have done it anyway, is because she took off the mask at some point during the dinner, which I didn't realize. I I assume she had to have A to E and B because she couldn't see a thing. Like this wasn't like a mask where it was like Disney where you're like, oh, wow, how do they see? But like they have eye holes. Like she legitimately could not see a thing. She was being led everywhere the entire night. Like I figured at a certain point she was going to have to be like, okay, I have to take this off in order to breathe. 
Don't you think for somebody who documents every single moment of their life, the fact that she went through that evening and there was not one photo posted of her by anyone else, and I know it's the Met Gala and it's still intimate, but people were still posting some photos. The fact that there was not one photo of her, like quote, breaking character is was so intentional. It's so intentional and so impressive, but if there's anybody who can pull it off in any place, it's Kim at the Met Gala. Completely. Okay, saving the best for last. So Penelope dressed up as Cher from Clueless. I'm sure you all saw. And Courtney posted it with the caption as if. And Scott comments, oh, Cher, don't forget she can't keep driving her Jeep without her driver's license. Ah. Nothing makes me happier than Scott commenting on Courtney. Nothing in the whole world. I know. We knew it. We knew even if he was struggling, the co-parenting relationship isn't going to suffer in the sense that I did believe they were both putting the kids first. But to for him to do that in the sense of it being like public confirmation of like, okay, all right, guys, I'm okay. That's all I wanted. Right. Like he felt comfortable enough to comment on her Instagram. He felt comfortable enough having it be made public. There's no issue there. Kind of like that. I know that comment was about Penelope and you could argue like he's commented on her Instagram before. Like this is nothing new. This is not like they've had issues and he's shied away from that. But just to see it after all of this, and it's the first comment we've had on her from him in a very long time, it was just nice to see. It's like when I don't answer my phone for a little while and you're afraid that something happened to my dad and then you check my location and you see that I'm home and like not in the emergency room. That's how I felt seeing Scott's comment. <laughs> yeah, a little different, which is I having your location is the best thing ever. And also when your dad plays me back in words with friends and I'm like, okay, he's just asleep. He's up. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe Scott commenting was like my dad playing you back in words with friends. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is so niche. <laughs> this is a little too niche, maybe. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to mention? I think that's it for today, kid. I think so too. Well, we love you guys. We are now going to cut to my conversation with Miles Tanzer, as I said, the Wall Street Journal Magazine's digital editor and hear about his conversation with little Nas X and the awards in general and a little bit more, but thank you guys for letting us do this and just for being so supportive and kind and we love you. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer and one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC.
I am so thrilled to be here with the Wall Street Journal Magazine's digital editor and author of Music Is My Life, Miles Tanzer. How are you? I'm so good. Thanks so much for having me, Emma. I'm so glad that we got to meet last night because so many times we interview people over the computer, especially through the pandemic, and it's hard to get a sense of people's vibes. So I just am so glad we connected last night. Yeah, it was so nice to meet you. It's also, we spoke a little bit about this, but I was like, oh my God, I'm seeing the person behind the account in real life. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, I know your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it was cool to put a face to the name. So I would love to just for a second, because we will get into so many things, but I kind of want to talk just about your career trajectory for a second. How did you get to where you are now at this position? I know a lot of people would be really interested in that. Totally. I started doing uh, journalism in college. Uh, I went to NYU and I was the editor-in-chief of a website when I was there called NYU Local. And then from there, I went to BuzzFeed when I graduated college and was an editor there. And I reported about the media. And after that, I went freelance for a bit. And I spent a lot of years at The Fader, the music magazine, where I was the digital editor there and then a senior editor And then from the fader, I joined the Wall Street Journal, where I work at the magazine, where I'm the digital editor. So yeah, it's been an interesting kind of trajectory of like digital stuff and startup stuff and magazines. So have you always had an interest in music? Yeah, from, you know, an early age, I was an obsessive MTV and VH1 watcher and just like downloading so much music from online. And it was always big passion of mine, but not until the fader did I really, you know, make it my beat, uh, the main thing that I cover. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at the journal I've done, I've kind of expanded it more to be like arts and culture more broadly. Isn't it amazing when you can turn that into a career? (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm definitely, yeah, it's thrilling and crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I do want to talk, of course, about this phenomenal piece that you wrote on Little Nas X in a few minutes. But for context, just for everybody listening, Little Nas X was selected as the Wall Street Journal Magazine's 2021 Music Innovator. And there were eight different innovators that were recognized in various categories. So Kim Kardashian, Lewis Hamilton, Maya Lin, Ryan Reynolds, and more. And that's the event that Miles and I met at last night. And just for a second, I would love for you to explain to anybody unfamiliar, what are the Innovator Awards? Sure. It's something uh, the magazine has been doing. This is the 11th annual um, event in the series. Um, Every November, our November issue is our innovators issue. And we highlight different kind of trailblazing talents in the areas we cover, whether that's music or art, design, philanthropy. Um, We kind of run a wide uh, coverage area. So, and every year we honor about eight different innovators in a number of categories. And then we gather at the MoMA in New York City to honor them. It's a really cool mix of different specialties, um, which makes the event really unique. Um, I think you mentioned a couple of people, but it's it's cool to see, you know, Kim Kardashian West standing next to someone like the artist and designer Maya Lin um, and have them kind of converse and meet each other and kind of cross-pollinate. So it's a really unique and awesome event. Totally. And I think for me, something just witnessing it that was really cool. And I I wonder if you felt the same way was I genuinely felt like every person that was honored was actually that honored to be standing (laughs) next to those people, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that mix of 
category really helps create that sense, you know, because like if it's just Kim and it's just Ryan Reynolds, it's still an incredible event. But having, you know, the head of Sesame Workshops present and having the author Colson Whitehead get honored as well, you know, it makes a more prestigious feeling atmosphere than just a celebrity event. That was honestly the impression that I got. And I didn't know, I mean, you've, you've been there for a few years now. I had no idea what I was walking into. And that's absolutely kind of the, the energy that I felt just being in that room. It's really fun. <laughs> it's, it's just like a fun event. And it brings out a really good crowd too. even just guests in attendance. Martha Stewart was there last night. Demi Moore was supporting uh, Kim Jones, who's also honored. It's just a great time. I said to you when I walked over to you, I was like, I just want to introduce myself. And we start talking. I was like, by the way, did you see Martha Stewart? She looks phenomenal in that <laughs> She looks so good. And she was having a ball. I mean, we know from her Instagram that she has an amazing time when she goes out. And her photo recap of last night was spectacular, as it I, always is. I tell everyone this because there are two Martha Stewarts. There's the Martha Stewart brand account. And then there's Martha Stewart 48, which is her personal account. And people don't believe me, but I say like, I can't tell you this with a hundred percent certainty, but I would be willing to bet my life on it that it's really her that runs it because it has to be. It has to be. I mean, (laughs) from the photos, it's just, it's her. It's so authentic. I love it. So I want to talk about this interview that you did with little Nas X phenomenal. Your first cover story, correct? For the Wall Street Journal magazine? Um, For this magazine. Yeah. Yeah. So it was called Why Little Nas X is the New King of Pop. Of course, we will put the link in the description and I highly recommend everybody reading it. But, you know, I just have a question kind of from more of the journalist perspective. Of course, mine's in a different medium, but how do you prep for an interview like this? Like, what is your mindset going in? Sure. Definitely the first thing when I'm doing an interview with anyone is to read kind of as much as I can get my hands on as far as interviews they've done, uh, watching on-camera interviews they've done, just to get a sense of what they're like when they're being interviewed. And then uh, definitely with musicians, I spent a lot of time with their work, immediately download anything I can to my phone and just loop it over and over and over again. And then I kind of sit and I think, especially before a cover interview, I sit and have a quiet moment where I just write down as many questions as I can think of. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of slowly putting that together as I read stuff, um, whether it's just something I wish other journalists had explored more of or something that kind of comes to my mind when I'm reading something and making sure we cover everything that makes sense for the audience too. I think writing for the Wall Street Journal, there's a specific sort of angle to our stories. We want to make sure we understand the whole kind of a span of their empire and we want to understand what they're like as titans in their industry, especially for this issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's a balance about asking personal questions as well as professional questions. You know, for musicians, you're wanting to know what they're thinking is behind their art as well as what's going on in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because just reading the piece, I got the sense that you clearly did a really good job at kind of establishing, I guess you could call it like a place of safety with him. Like there's, there definitely seemed to be that, that trust. And is that a conscious practice of yours when you're interviewing different people, specifically someone as you know famous and of the moment as little Nas X? Thanks. I'm glad that came across. I think part of my experience 
in, especially working at the Fader, we kind of had this expression, we would say internally, that we're an artist-first publication. And I don't think I 100% carry that into my work at the Wall Street Journal. I think we're way more reportorial. But at the same time, I just think there's a baseline of respect between um, artists and interviewer that I try to honor. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I would say I do ask tough questions a lot, but at the same time, I don't think I would ever describe myself as unfair. And Mm -hmm. that's something I always try to keep in mind. And I think also in interviews that I've done, whether it's little Nas X who has had four insane years of his life that have been so transformative and or another cover interview I did was with Ariana Grande and it was the first interview after the incident in Manchester and I think with both of these interviews I was talking to someone at such an intense time in their life Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be sure I met them uh, with kindness to be honest. Totally. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. And also, like you said, an awareness for the intensity of this moment, you know? Definitely. There was a moment in the interview when, you know, you're talking to him about his childhood and he kind of goes quiet for a few moments and you say that you start to reveal some things from yours and you said that he grabbed your hand and kind of said, like, we're trauma bonding right now. And what was that like in that moment? Yeah, it was really sweet. I think we said this a lot internally in the office, but it's hard to remember because he's such a superstar, but he's 22 years old. I mean, that's insanely young. And for someone to have perspective over their life at that age is really tough. So I think just having that connection with him and having like a nice moment about it was really special. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad it made it into the piece because I think it revealed a side of him that he hasn't shown a lot of. I mean, you know, even just in watching him speak last night, and of course it was a, it was a brief speech as they all were, but I kind of got the sense and you can tell me if you feel this way also, where it's like, on one hand, I think he, you know, has so much pride and is, is so proud of where he's at and feels like he's exactly where he's meant to be, which he totally is. And then at the same time, it's this really kind of endearing sense of like, holy shit, is this my life? You know? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you also spoke with Jack Harlow for the piece, who obviously was on Industry Baby and is a good friend of his. And, you know, he had just said wonderful things to say, even in the video last night, he was talking about it. And I'm just curious about that conversation and how it was to speak with him, especially since he is very of the moment. Yeah, I love talking to Jack Harlow. That was one of my favorite moments of putting this piece together. Uh, (laughs) It's so clear that he has such respect for Little Nas X. And I, you know, I asked him, uh, there's been a lot of other rappers who have, you know, said some pretty unwelcoming things about Little Nas being a gay rapper. And he was so quick to be like, that is so far from where I am. I wanted the Little Nas X cosign. You know, I wanted to do this music with him because I think he's an icon. And that never crossed my mind once. And he was just so forthright in his like love for Nas. And I thought that was amazing. And he was just such a sweetheart. (laughs) This didn't make it into the piece, but when I talked to Nas about Jack, he said the same thing. You know, he, he was like, I don't mean to give, you know, credit where it's unwarranted, but it's so, it's such a big deal to me to have, you know, Jack Harlow work with me and, 
and have that respect for me because I respect him so much too. And it's, it's so nice for two kind of young rappers to have that kind of bond together is really nice. Right. And it's genuine. It's not just, I mean, it, to me, the way that I view it is like, it just so happens to also make great TV, you know, when they're performing together, when they're in interviews together, but it does feel very genuine. Absolutely. I agree. I want to talk for a second about the portion of the interview when he was talking about Twitter. And can you just explain this for anybody that may not know? Because to be honest with you, I didn't know until I read it, how Nicki Minaj and his Stan roots kind of play into the origin of his name. Yeah. So he ran a popular Stan account called Nas Mirage, where he was a Nicki Minaj stand and, you know, was a pop music stand on pop music Twitter, you know, argued about Katy Perry and Lady Gaga and was super active in, you know, a community um, where he kind of found um, his tribe, for lack of a better term, of, you know, other pop culture obsessed music fans and people addicted to being online. And it's where he kind of thrived and it's where he got the Nas from uh, his name from, uh, is from that screen name. And then he added Lil and X just because they were like rapper flourishes, he says. It really is kind of the entry point into who he is as a character in pop culture because he has such command over what people love to talk about. Um, everything he does is kind of a viral tweet, even if it's not on Twitter. Totally. I mean, you know, I wanted to talk about that, about when he says that he almost feels kind of a sense of invincibility on Twitter. And I have to say, and you can tell me what you think about that. There are very few celebrities that could say that. And I feel that I would agree. And when I read that, part of the interview, I was like, you know what? That's a perfect way to describe it because Julie and I talk about that a lot. He just really has it. And I guess I'm curious from your perspective as somebody who studies this, you know, really for a living and especially in the music industry is such an expert. What do you think it is about his Twitter presence that just works so phenomenally and consistently well? Yeah, I think number one, it's almost corny to say, but he's so funny. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, so much of what he does is objectively hilarious and even when he's being clowned on you know he always flips it into a place of of comedy and he's he's just a really gifted comedian as well as just understanding memes in a way that is so authentic to being an active person on twitter even other celebrities who understand the internet i don't think are as skilled as understanding memes in the way that he does you know even the way he approached turning Old Town Road into an endless string of remixes and making fun of himself through the entire process, just about how endless it was and how there's an infinite number of guests and the remixes would never stop. You know, that's kind of like meme culture. He's he's just making something go on and on and on. Right. And in a way that just feels very natural. And I think that that's a line that especially now, you know, in today's day and age when social media is so prevalent and so crucial really in, in a lot of ways to a celebrity's success, a lot of the times it can feel so contrived and there's that line that you have to walk. And I just, he honestly, if I'm ranking, he's really up there with my top of the top of people who just do it flawlessly. Definitely. I can't think of anyone who's any famous person who is as skilled as kind of holding court on Twitter and making everything that they do a conversation. Right. No, I agree. I really do. I also, you know, just going back to the roots with the 
Nicki Minaj stan Twitter account, I think that what a full circle moment in the piece when you talk about how, you know, he wiped all traces of that from the internet when he started to gain fame because he didn't want it to out him as gay. And now, you know, he's something that he is so, so proud of and so public with, which is just such a beautiful, to me, it's such a beautiful cycle. Even he said in his speech last night, he was kind of recapping the last four years of his life and the inflection point of everything was him saying, I've never been more gay and the whole room like stood up in applause basically. <laughs> <laughs> I was about, yeah. It was like a, the, the room kind of erupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was special. It was. <laughs> no, it was really special. I mean, the yeah. whole thing, you know, what was your biggest, biggest takeaway or kind of favorite moment from doing that interview? We had this funny moment where we were talking about Frank Ocean and how important his music was when I personally came out it was around the time that Frank Ocean's album Channel Orange came out, and we were just talking about um, how his music is just so important for a lot of people finding themselves. And he said he had the same experience with the album Blonde uh, with him. And I, I, it was just a really touching moment that you know speaks to the power of queer artistry that I think is really beautiful. And to have that with someone like Little Nas X was really special. You know, going off of that for a second, I, I am curious kind of how you feel that your queer identity kind of, I, I guess I want to say benefited the interview process in the sense of it seemed that there was this like sense of camaraderie and maybe that goes into the safety that I was speaking to earlier, but I would love to hear your perspective on that. I think as journalists and interviewers, we all have our own sets of biases and understandings and I think what makes great profile and great journalism is the way that interviewers and subjects are paired. And I think in certain ways, it allows certain conversations to be accessed that maybe couldn't with a different interviewer. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I am the 100% match for Little Nas X in any way. I think like me being a white man is a handicap in some ways in that sense. Mm-hmm. But I do think that our shared queerness is a kind of shared language that a straight interviewer might not be able to access. So I don't know. It's all kind of uh, pluses and minuses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And that's yeah. not to say, you know, a straight white person couldn't do a great job, but it's just, it's there. So <laughs> there's no, no. Totally. It's just there, you know, I mean, I just, I, I really thank you for this piece because I personally, of course, enjoyed reading it, but I just think that it's so important just in, in the greater landscape. And I think it's really something that everyone should read. My dad, who is a 69-year-old white man from Brooklyn, you know, I come home, of course, he knew that I went to the event last night and I come home and he's reading this piece. I'm like, you know what? I am so glad that you are reading Why Little Nas X is the New Kingdom <laughs> Pop because I want, you, <laughs> I want you to be tuned into this. So thank you for that, really. That is incredible. Thank you so much. That's so sweet to hear. No, I love of it. Course. And I'm so glad that I got to meet you. And I hope that we have many more collaborations in our future. Yes, please. I would love to. It was so nice meeting you. Yes. Talk to you soon. 